Welcome reader, this is Tam Reads. I am the Accidental Monster, and this will be Chapter 2 of Magitism, The Force of Magic by Will Brawl. The chapter's name is Burning Flames. The valve to my chamber dilates, revealing a harried and droopy-looking hungry soul. I stand up slowly, disconnecting from the wide eye, the fear in their eyes becoming more apparent. They move close enough for our auras to mix. They impress into my mind. Burning flames, get your lacy stalks to the helm at once. The ship's skate is sinking towards the planet. Is that why I feel so light? Wait, sinking. That's impossible, isn't it? I impress back, shaking off the post-meditation fuzz. Yes, maybe. It is happening regardless. The great beast around us shudders, convulsing as it struggles to hold us skyward. I slip past my hammock and glide across the chamber to grab my only actual possession, a smart bug of outstanding stock. I call it chum. Smart bugs have myriad uses, including being powerful aura links and having some mathematical abilities. They also make great listeners. I'm going to pause here for a second because there's a nice little break in the in the text and like... You already can tell that this is not human. <laughs> this is something different. They're obviously sort of telepathic, um, but it's a form of communication. So it, it still reads the same as dialogue does just, you know, with the understanding that these aren't being spoken aloud. They're, they're being impressed upon each other. I really like that. Um, and then, and then we've got this, this smart bug, which I don't know what that really means yet. We'll, we'll see what, what that ends up being. But the idea of a smart bug that, that, that this person is calling chum, I don't think there are genders. There's a lot of they going on. So it seems like these beings don't have a gender per se or maybe there is and it's it's ambiguous at this point I'm, I'm not really sure but really enjoying where this is going hungry soul dithers in the doorway and i decide to follow them out of the hab sack and into the main body of the ship's gate there is a frantic anxiety in the cavity but at least the iridescent crystal ceiling above seems undamaged the beast releases several more enormous shivers, sending chumps skittering down my arm and hiding in the crook of my stalk. After twelve cycles, we finally reach Earth, and the ship's gate decides now it is a good time for a gut ache. I smirk at Hungry Soul nervously. They ignore me and hurriedly move down the body cavity that runs along the ship's gate's primary nerve trunk. A contingent of weaver warriors storms past us and down the orifice to one of the repulsion systems. This could be serious. If the ship's gate sinks too close to Earth, won't it fall? I impress to Hungry Soul. I guess so. I'm no expert. Sorry, this whole situation has me frazzled. I was already a ball of nerves over finally meeting the humans, and now this, they respond. I twist a few of my stalks toward Hungry Soul so my eyes can see them. Their usual relaxed confidence has withered away. Their stalks hang with eyes sunken at their tips, and their voice feels hollow. Even their core seems dimmer. Have you been eating? Not well. 
Not since Sol was more than a pinprick, they admit. So I'm not sure if these two are lovers, like really close friends, or if this is just like indicative of their society that they have, like they keep, they're keeping close tabs on each other to this extent. Cause I don't know about you, but like, I don't normally see a lot of like, Hey, how you doing? You know, this early on in a, in a book or movie or, you know, story whatsoever, unless there's some deeper connective relationship. So I'm, I'm interested in seeing this also hungry soul. Fantastic name. I'm loving that. <laughs> I'm wondering where that name comes from. Like what? Is is this a devourer of souls situation or is this like they just ate a lot when uh, they were younger and, you know, got this nickname name that just is who they are now? It's very, very interesting. Um, I'm, I'm trying to trying to dehumanize my understanding of things, which is really difficult sometimes in the beginning of stories like this. So you have to. You have to just kind of let it sink in and, and move you and change you into a different framework. We pass through the connector and into the control center of the ship's gate. The viewing shell is open and I stop and stand stricken. There it is, filling the view. They weren't lying about being able to see the warm city lights from the star sea. The captain, a well-worn leader layer named Firmshell, looks worried terrified even. Their body rests on a sedan, so the overgrown birthing stalk is supported. They tap out orders to various organs on the ship's gate's console before swinging their stalks around to face us. Excellent. I need the two of you to try to calm this hulking beast down while we diagnose what's wrong with the bits that keep us in the sky. We're coasting toward the planet and barely keeping the cloak up, the captain commands before turning their sedan so it can scuttle out of the helm chamber. Hungry Soul pushes off the wall and glides to one of the ship's gate's brain control sacks. See if you can get Chum to soothe it while I fiddle around here. I swoop down to the service cavity below the helm while coaxing Chum up one of my stalks. The hole is tight, but by pulling in my stalks, I can barely squeeze in to reach the primary brain access tube. I slip Chum into the wet tube and ask them nicely to have a chat with the skip's gate and to translate their emotions for me. They coo at me as I disappear into the squishy hole. Connecting with Chum is confusing. Chum's eyes are all on their head and face forward, and I don't even have a head, let alone eyes locked in one direction. But, as it always is, the confusion subsides and I am one with Chum. We skitter across the membraneous tissue of the internals of the ship's gate, searching nodule by vein for a decent place to commune with the beast. Before long, we've found the spot a warm pulsating node of neurons on the outside of the primary brain complex. Down here near the keel, there is a twisted strip of brain tissue running along the ship's gate's body which controls all of the essential systems, from food generation to flight stabilization. The node in front of us will give us direct access to the emotional center of the ship's gate. We brace through the disorientation and suddenly we're flying through the star sea. 
We see with a thousand eyes and feel a million tiny tentacles writhing against our crystalline hull. We feel our two great wings lapping against the upper atmosphere. The earth is gorgeous. The human cities sparkle like a mirror of the star sea above. Mind-boggling, even with three minds. It becomes immediately apparent what's wrong. The magic that suspends the ship's gate is weakened. No, not the magic itself exactly, but the source of magic around us. The ship's gate stays aloft by magically pushing against the surface of whatever planet it is trying to land on. But as it descends, the magic around us is fading to nearly nothing. I immediately disconnect from Chum and scoot out into the helm chamber again to find Hungry Soul. I bounce over to them and impress. We're going down. The Earth's in a magical void. The closer we get, the faster we'll fall. We need to find somewhere to brace for impact. If we keep scurrying around the ship's gate, we'll all die. Hungry Soul stares at me for several long moments before impressing back. You remember when we signed on for this trip, Burning Flames? Well, yes, of course. We were so excited when Prime Minister Opalshine announced they'd discovered this planet with the lighted cities covering the whole globe. Look at it. I look at it with more eyes. Yeah, but... You said earlier that it has been 12 cycles since we left. We're on the verge of the differentiation. I notice that Hungry Soul is still connected with the ship's gate. Something is wrong. Yes, of course. Do you regret coming? I wrap several of my stalks around theirs to pull them away from the nerve cluster, to disconnect them from the ship. As I do, the ship's gate shakes violently again. I'm flung across the chamber, losing connection with Hungry Soul. The Earth's doubled in size through the viewing shell, and I can make out individual buildings on the surface. We're heading for a couple of large inverted domes in the heart of one of the humans' continent-spanning cities. I look back to Hungry Soul, who appears totally absorbed into the powerful mind of the ship's gate. The creature must be in shock and locked onto them. I cram myself back into the crevice cavity, feeling a streak of pain as one of my stalks tears. Regardless, I push back into the tightening tube to connect with Chum. We connect, and I am once again one with them. I can feel Hungry Soul on the other side of a great chasm of dying ship's gate awareness. We call out to them, Hungry Soul, you have to disconnect. You have to let go right now. Why? We're almost there. Look at our destination. Look to the horizons. We set out on this journey with so much hope. Can't you see all those humans? Are they here for us? Why would we abandon it now? Time stretches as the ship's skate strains harder and harder to pull away from Earth's gravity. We impress weakly. The ship's skate is falling. Please come back to us. Do you regret coming, Burning Flames? Not if it meant being with you, and not if it meant sharing this journey with you, we intone across the ship's skate's vast mind. Me either. At that moment, the cloak fails, and the ship's skate relaxes. A wave of exhaustion flows through the creature as it falls unconscious from the strain. We're ejected from the beast's mind, and it's just chumming me. They scuttle back into my stalks and hide as we free fall onto the planet below.
Oh, goodness. <laughs> wow. Okay. So we only get like three, I want to say people, they're aliens, but I'm going to call them people because I feel like people is not just ubiquitous with humans. So like, I don't know. If you don't agree with that, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. But we've only really met like three people in this ship. And one was the captain and was just basically there to bark out orders. And the other two has been Hungry Soul and Burning Flames. And what names? Like, I want to know what these names represent. But basically, we've just kind of... Well, I mean, in a way, it feels like we just witnessed the ship die because Earth is a vacuum of magical energy. Like, what a way to introduce yourself to the human race. Like, oh, yeah, we have this glorious, magical existence elsewhere in the universe. But as soon as we get near your planet, we are screwed. So that's, that's a chapter. <laughs> um, anyway, so I, I hope that you enjoyed following along with me on that one. I'm super excited to find out what happens because I, I feel like, like, okay, if, if the earth is a magical void, and that's what it was, yeah, magical void, then there's got to be some consequence of these people being these aliens coming to our planet like some magical aspect of their existence must be necessary right for their survival and like what makes earth a magical void can it can it stop being a magical void what does that mean in the differences between humans and aliens and this scenario like there's so many questions and that's that's not even like skating the surface of of you know in the whole like how are people going to respond to each other and governments and all that so you know fun times i hope to see you in the next one <laughs>